I earnestly ask the Lord to give me the message this morning, especially for the new students that are just beginning your school work here in Bob Jones University. And, of course, a message for all the rest of us, because we all have the same needs, and uh, the message that applies to one life generally applies to other people in the audience. And this is a text. It's in the 16th Psalm at the 11th verse, a part of it. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Thou wilt show me the path of life. I've been preaching for a great many years from the 16th Psalm. And always before, I've preached to this text. And this morning, as I sat in my office, praying and thinking and reading my Bible, I said, that's the text. That's the psalm. That's the heart of it. I never seemed to see it quite that way before. Of course, you know this is one of the Messianic psalms. There are certain things in this psalm that applies to the Lord Jesus Christ. As much in the psalms, it's Messianic. And uh, there's certain practical applications even in those verses apply to us because our inheritance is with the Lord Jesus Christ. But this little text here is one of the most striking texts in all the Old Testament. Thou will show me the path of life. Now you will notice first that God is a friend to life. God is no friend to death. Death God considers an enemy. God is no friend to death. Death is a result of sin. The wage of sin is death. If there'd been no sin, there'd been no dying. Every time you pass a graveyard, look at it. It's a little track that sin made as it walked across a continent. Every time you see anybody wearing mourning, remember that garment the woman wears is a garment that was made in the hall of death, where death reigned. All the sorrows and trouble came from sin. And the sorrow of all sorrows is death. It's the last enemy our Lord's going to destroy. The last enemy. As I've said to you before, he's already conquered it. Death is a prisoner in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has the key to the prison where he's locked up death and conquered death. But death isn't yet destroyed. Listen, don't you think death is normal? Death is abnormal. There shouldn't have been any funerals. There shouldn't have been anybody dying. There should never have been a coffin made in the world. There should never have been anybody on earth wearing mourning. There never should have been a mother bearing a baby. There never should have been a broken home. Don't you ever get the idea death's normal. We say that's natural for men to die. Listen, it belongs to fallen nature, not divine nature. There are no funerals in heaven. No cemeteries up there. Nobody dies up there. God's a friend to life, always has been. All life comes from God. He's no friend of death. And let me say this to you. Normal people love life. Only abnormal people commit suicide. Some people are made abnormal because of their own sins. And some are made abnormal because of the weaknesses handed down to them from the past. But normal people love life. When you commit suicide, you're crazy. No sane man ever blew a hole in his head. No sane man ever deliberately turned on the gas. Now, don't misunderstand. You may be responsible to God in the day of judgment for the insanity that made you commit suicide, but that suicide is a result of insanity. God made men where they want to live. You want to live. Why, let me say to you, if you were dying today, if you were to go out from this building and get in a room somewhere and blow a hole through your head, 
and try to end your life, you'd struggle for one more breath, one last breath. You'd struggle for it. However great might be the agony of the struggle, you cling to life. You want life. But the trouble with all the human race, men do not know how to live. What a mess we're in. Nations can't live with nations. Churches can't live in fellowship with other churches. Christians fight other Christians. Fundamentalists are each other's throat. Political parties are each other's throat. We'll live in a world of turmoil, in a world of strife, and we don't know how to live. How many young people don't know how to live? Why, you know they think of life as if it was something they could have and enjoy and keep and shape for themselves. They go out after life. And today, we live in an age when the most miserable generation of young people to ever live, live now. Young people are not happy. They never were as wretched as they are today. Chasing pleasure like a butterfly flits from one flower to another flower, looking for life, unable to find it. Trying to have a good time, never having a good time. Drinking from a cup from which they get a little, little exhilaration to start with. But when they get to the bottom of the glass, they're dregs and a serpent sting and a scorpion sting. They're miserable and wretched. People talk about life. We have a day when the psychiatrist comes on the stage to untie the kinks and pull the cords that have wrapped up the souls of people and bring them back to what they call normal. Matter of fact, there's nobody in the world normal. We have standards of normal, but nobody quite reaches those standards. And we have what man calls normal. And we spend our lives trying to comb the kinks out of the minds and souls of people and straighten them out. Insane asylums full. People in this country, thousands of them, haven't even the mentality to go to war. They'll always be abnormal people. Till Jesus Christ comes and makes us normal. Someday, a normal race will be on this earth. And then the lamb and the lion lie down together. Children will be able to play with serpents. All the harm and all that destroys go out. That will be on the reign of Jesus Christ. We're not there now. We're in the midst of darkness and trouble and blood and sorrow and hell on earth. And folks don't know what to do, which way to turn. They, they don't know what to do. It's tragic. I've said so many times, I'm sorry for you young people. I don't regret sometimes I'm getting old. I'm not sorry sometimes. If I had no uh, grandchildren and didn't love you young folks and think about what little I might contribute as the years pile up to the welfare of the youth of America, I wouldn't much care. What is it all worth in this world, people ask? Now listen, but you can have life in the midst of it. Right now, right now, you can live a normal spiritual life and you are not normal till you're spiritual. You know, many when it's a strange thing. We're subnormal in this country, subnormal spiritually. And when you get a sane spiritual setup, people think you're subnormal or abnormal. The unregenerated world that doesn't know God doesn't know what normal means. It's a word in the vocabulary, but it's a word they know nothing about. Now the psalmist here talks about life. Life. Who isn't interested? Life. People are dying, going to the graveyard. Tombs are being erected. Generation after generation comes up and goes. But Psalmist talks about life all through the Bible. He died. Somebody else took his place. But the Bible's a book of life. We read that Jesus Christ came that men might have life and have more abundantly. Now notice, the Psalmist says, Thou will show me. He starts with God. 
There is no life that didn't start with God. There never would have been a heart that ever beat in a human bosom or the bosom of an animal or a bird if God hadn't put it there. There'd have been no air to breathe. All life begins with him. But there's another life. We read in the words of the New Testament, except a man be born again, he cannot see. Begin of a new life. We read about the gift of God, the eternal life. We read about the wage of sin is death. We step in the New Testament and walk around among the dead of the earth. The Bible looks at them and says they're all dead in trespasses and sin. All of them. Lovely girl, lovely boy, nice man, king on the throne. President of the White House if he isn't a Christian. Members of Congress, governors, judges, all the world. And the Bible says it's such a hopeless a dead race. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't depend upon human judgment to stare the thing. Don't depend upon what man can do with his hand of human wisdom at the throttle of life. He can't handle it. Can't do it. He doesn't know what to do with it. He said, you can have life. Somebody came, a baby born in Bethlehem. Angel choir sang about a new day. He grew up and he himself went to the cross and died, not because men killed him, but because he laid down his own life while men tried to kill him. He said, I can give you life. Life begins with him. And let me tell you something. You haven't started anything in life right till you started with Jesus Christ. A school isn't a school that's right. It doesn't start with Jesus. A home isn't right. It doesn't start with Jesus. A marriage ceremony is a farce in the light of eternity. It doesn't start with Jesus Christ. Engagement. Nobody can put a ring on your finger. You say, I will. Yes, we will. We'll build a home. We'll do this. Listen, listen to me. Listen. If Jesus Christ wasn't there in the when the ring was put on, and the pledge was given, you don't start right. A business isn't right that doesn't start right. No man finds a road that God Almighty talks about in the Bible. In any way that leads to victory and success, it doesn't start with God. Thou will show me. Thou. Thou. The author of life. The all-sufficient one. The all-wise one. The omnipotent one. Thou will show me personally. Individually. I'm an individual with individual responsibilities. So then every one of us, the Bible says, shall give an account to God. You are not responsible for other people except to have as good influence as possible over you. We're not responsible for how you turn out when you leave Bob Jones University. If, if we do our best for you while you're here, you have your individual responsibility. Listen, the issue is between you personally and Almighty God. Thou will show me the path of life. The way I ought to go. The way I ought to live. So life ought to have. Thou will do it. Blessed be his name. Listen, listen. That's better than a psychiatrist. 
That's better than some philosophical man in some university. I'm not discounting these things. Talk about a philosophy of life. Wonderful. But no philosophy of life is a true philosophy that isn't the philosophy of Jesus Christ. Oh, what fools we mortals be. I have a good job. Pays me big money. I'm a success. You're a failure. Unless you've tied your life up with Almighty God. Oh, I'm... I got the honors. Flowers were piled up about me. I listened to the applause. The angels didn't applaud you when the flowers were piled up around you. Unless God Almighty stood by your side with the flowers and said, you and I are together. Thou will show me, the psalmist says, the path of life. Now, the path of life is not just an ethereal sort of something. It is ethereal. It is mystical. That's all that. It doesn't just mean we live forever. It means more than that. You can live forever in hell, but the souls in hell are not living souls. They're dead souls in sin. And a dead soul always cries sometime, somewhere, with a parched tongue for something to satisfy. And never find satisfaction. You can live forever. Yeah, you can live. You can live and not live. You can live on this earth and not live. You can live in eternity and not live in eternity. And you don't know how to live. And are not living till you contacted Almighty God. Notice. Underscore it. Thou. Start there. Where did you start? With me? Most of us start there. I, me. Don't underscore that. Start here. Thou. Who? God Almighty. Omnipotent. Omniscient. Infinite. Thou. Underscore it. Get a big God. Don't look for a little God. You've got to have a big God that's big enough for your needs. And big enough for time and big enough for eternity. And the God whose name we underscore here is such a big God, the Bible says, he inhabits eternity. Moves around eternity. Thou. What? You're thou. The God who's so big, he had to build a house called eternity in which he could live. Says to me, you're looking for the right road? Yes, I'm lost. I belong to a lost generation. I belong to a lost race. And they don't seem to know which way to go. Which way to go? Can you tell me? And God says, I'll show you. Want to know? I'll tell you. I'll show you the way to go. Say, I'd like to ask you this morning, are you dead sure that that's what you want? Uh, are you positive that it's God and his guidance you're looking for? Do you think you can run the thing better than he can? 
Do you think that you poor, little, frail, blundering, finite, stumbling, limited, helpless creature of earth that's going down a little road to an open hole called the grave and you don't know when you're going to get there and fall into it and be covered up with dirt? You think you're big enough to run the life you have? You better get in touch with somebody that gave you that life. One of the most striking things in all the Bible is something about the end from the beginning. Nobody can see the end. You didn't see the beginning of your life. The first time you cried as a little baby on a mother's arms. A little sob in your throat. A little pitiful baby cry was a sort of somebody help me, somebody help me. Poor little frail man. And if God Almighty hadn't given you a mother to help you, you'd have starved to death the first 30 days of your life. You had to have help. When you wanted to walk, your little twisted bow legs, trying to stand up, get a hold of something. You tried to stand and couldn't stand. Somebody had to help you to stand, then teach you how to walk. Those are little things in life. Eating, walking, those are the little minor insignificant nothings that have become the big things of life. We've made the big things of food and shelter and clothes and money and the big things for immoral beings. Big thing. First thing you know, we write our last check. Turn over the last bank account and make the last investment. Thou will show me what? Life. What life? The path. Not the path that leads to life, but the path of life. In all eternity, the redeemed will stand in his presence and say it began in a certain place. Maybe in a country church. Maybe in my room at a Bob Jones dormitory when I matriculated there. Maybe at my mother's knee. God Almighty doesn't measure you in eternity by when you were born. He standardizes his great eternal university by when you were born a second time. Thou will show me the path of life. <laughs> You've got folks in, up and down this country in universities and schools. The ridiculed Christian institution gives the emphasis which we're giving you now. They think of life as moonlight parties, parked automobiles on highways, cocktail parties, plenty of money. Watering in dissipation like hogs wallowing in mud. They think that's life.
But most of them, before they die, find out it wasn't life. Thou will show me the path of life. Listen. The path of life's the right path. There is no right path except his path. His path is the path of life. He came that you might have it. Not that you might have a little warped, narrow life. Not the life that the world thinks is big and broad and great. Poor little puny thinking people. He came that you might have it a, a big life. Abundant. Not just abundant, but more abundant. Stretch your wings and fly through space. Walk among the stars. Dream of music up in heaven. Get the refinement of the spiritual. All this education in this world, as we go through here, is simply an effort to adjust ourselves to a foreign land. We have to have a little guidebook to know what the scientists are saying when we meet them. To know what uh, music is sung in the great opera house. To know how business is transacted in this strange land of ours through which we Christians are passing. All of our educational training here in universities and schools and colleges, simply all of it is an adjustment necessary to citizens of heaven who are in a land where they don't belong. Where life is temporary. Where folks don't live at all. And then when they don't live at all, they die. Just thinking they live. Die like animals. Die like a bird that sits on a limb and lovely day and you find him dead in the morning. Die like a hog grabbing all they can get and grunting because they can't get more. That's this world. No wonder it's bloody. No wonder armies are marching. They don't know life. If everybody on earth today, every normal person, now of course they are normal, abnormal people. If every normal person in this world, every one of them today, was in fellowship with Jesus Christ, and was big enough to quit underscoring me and underscoring thou or begin there. What a world you'd have. It's the right road. It's the path of faith. You don't believe in faith. Got to show you. Got to prove it, people say. Poor egomaniacs, I'm so smart myself. Got to show me I'm not like the common herd, you know. I've heard half-baked upstarts in school and college. I had a letter to my high school student this morning, a senior. Quoted scripture. Expressing an opinion about Bob Jones University. Finding some fault with discipline or something like that. Said she didn't want to come here reading one of our advertisements. Our advertisement that said something about discipline, she didn't want to come. 
I'm going to write tomorrow and tell her that, that advertisement was not to get folks here, but to keep her kind away. <laughs> don't believe in faith. Don't believe in restraint. Don't believe in control. Don't believe in discipline. Don't believe in this. Don't believe in that. I help my philosophy of life. This way of life is the way of faith. The psalmist who could look up at the sky and talk about the heavens declaring the glory of God. The psalmist that lived out there and herded sheep. Wrote 23rd Psalm. Psalmist says, I, I got to have somebody to take care of me. I've seen little lambs lost because the shepherd wasn't much good. And a little sheep has to have somebody take care of him. I need somebody to take care of me. He cries out, preserve me, O God. Me, helpless me. A man that doesn't know how to find his way. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. I'm not talking about self-reliance. I'm talking about a reliance upon the arm of omnipotence. You can't take care of yourself. And if you don't stand in with God Almighty, you've got trouble ahead of you. Something else about it. I made some notes this morning. I don't ordinarily look at them, but I wrote them just before I came over here. The path of life is a path of protection. Preserve me. Take care of me. Watch over me. Protect me. On this path of life, I look to you. Listen. Boys, some of you will be in the army before long. And you'll be on some battlefield with the orchestra of hell playing the music that you'll be listening. It won't be an anvil chorus. It'll be a cannon chorus. And shells will be exploding. Bombs bursting around you. And the wounded and the dead and the dying will be piled up. But you listen to me. If you are God's surrendered man, all on God's altar, nothing held out, completely, unconditionally, unreservedly, absolutely, forever and ever, committed to God Almighty, trusting Jesus Christ as his Savior. No man can build an atomic bomb or an atom bomb that can ever hurt you till God wants you in heaven. Hallelujah. What a God. Build your hydrant bombs and your atomic bombs. Arm your soldiers for battle. Preserve me, God. 
Preserve me for thy purposes, not for my pleasure. The path of life is a path of sane observation. If you're not sane in your Christian approach, you're not directed by Almighty God. God is not the author of confusion, and God is not the author of wild fanaticism. And God is not the author of eccentricities. The sanest men that ever lived were God's men. David, Moses, Paul. Listen. Sanity, fervent in spirit, on fire, zeal, consuming them. Talk about a practical man. Paul said, if a fellow won't work, don't let him eat. Don't even sit down and say, God send me something to eat when he's too lazy to work. That's everyday, good, practical, ordinary, common horse sense. Psalmist said, the sorrows are multiplied that hasten after another God. He'd notice that. He said to himself, no doubt, I've had a hard time of it. The devil gets after me, and I'm persecuted, and I'm lied about, and I'm misrepresented, and I'm slandered. My enemies pile up around me. But I notice that the other crowd, not as well off as I am. I've observed that sorrows are multiplied. I'm getting along better than they are. Listen, listen. The worst that ever happened to a Christian that surrendered is better than the best that ever happened to a man outside of the will of Almighty God. That's a new saying. I never uttered on the platform before. You might make a note of it. Let me state it a little different. The worst thing that can come to you as a Christian on the road of God's will for your life, the worst thing, is better than the best thing that ever happened to any sinner that ever lived. The path of life is the path of abundance. <laughs> Can't elaborate that. Talks about abundance in this psalm. You can read it. The path of life is a life of pleasantness. He said, the lines are fallen under me in pleasant places. It's so pleasant to be right with God. It's such a pleasant thing to know that somebody big enough to take care of me, I don't have to worry. It's such a pleasant feeling to know that up yonder, the one that lighted all the stars after he struck a match on the rock of his omnipotence is my father. And I can call him that. He watched it over me. He said the path of life's a life of gladness. Therefore, my heart's glad. Sing your songs of praise. You know, the wonder of all wonders to those jailers and those folks there in the prison was that down in the dungeon, there's some little Jews with feet in stock and backs lacerated. And one of them said, Do you hear those fellows singing down yonder? I wonder how they could sing in a place like that. How could anybody in that condition sing? Lest Paul and Silas in jail with bloody back and feet in stock could sing a sweeter song than any sinner ever sang. 
the path of fullness of joy. Notice, thou will show me the path of life. Then he cries out immediately, you are thy with me. In thy presence is fullness of joy. On the path of life, he's always with me. You know something in the Bible, it means a good deal to me. But you know, it doesn't mean me so much something else. The angel of the Lord camping around about them to fear him. Angels, the Bible says, are ministering spirits sent to minister those who ought to be heirs of salvation. Nice, isn't it? Sure is lovely to have angels around you. Isn't it wonderful to have the heavenly guests come down and have God say to the angels, look out after him now. Take good care of him. But there's something better than that. In the person of the Holy Spirit, he comes himself and says, I'm with you. Until the end of the age, I'm right there. The path of life is an eternal path. There is no end to this path. All the other roads come to an end. The excitement of pleasure, the thrill of honor, all those roads end at the grave. But the psalmist cries out, At thy right hand, at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Are you on the road? Have you found it? Listen, if you are not completely surrendered to the will of Jesus Christ, you may have eternal life. He's not talking here just about having eternal life. There's such a thing as a gift of God which is eternal life. But the road of life is more than that. You have to have eternal life to find the road. But even some who have eternal life have never found the road of life. The road of life is the life that surrendered, consecrated, unselfish saints have. Not many walk this way. They're saved people that don't travel. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be a saved man completely, unconditionally, absolutely, unqualifiedly, and forever surrendered to the supreme, conquering, all-powerful will of God for your life. Thou will show me, not give it to me. When I accepted Jesus, he gave it to me. Nicodemus couldn't see the way of life till he received divine life. And when he received divine life, then he could find the way of life. The way has to do with guidance and direction and all that. Oh, Lord God, help us this Sunday morning. 
every last one of us, without one single exception, to quit trying to run things ourselves. Some of us have made a mess of it. Help us to give God Almighty a chance to run the thing in our lives, to turn over to him completely, to give Jesus a supreme place forever. And may we this morning who never have really found the path of life found it. This day, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.